Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, fam? We're back. Yeah, this is this moment. The transatlantic bridge that uplifts black and BIPOC voices. And I feel like in times like this, when we're going from the pandemic the war in Ukraine, and the world just seems completely upside down. I think it's more important than ever that we talk and uplift black and BIPOC voices in the creative space, right? It's so easy to forget that incredible work is being done at the same time as the world is so uncertain and cruel and mean. On this episode, we really want to highlight black excellence to the fullest. The fashion world just lost back-to-back two incredible black icons in Virgil and Andre Leon Talley. So I wanted to introduce someone who's really got next in the fashion space, the super talented designer, Kenneth Nicholson. And for me, I wanted to be like a designer that had a wide vernacular of design language. And I think a designer that that really showed a good example of that was Alexander McQueen. He could do things that were really over the top and then, you know, you compare it to like a different collection of his and it would be relatively minimal. Um, but yet it was always quintessentially him. And I find like a, an enjoyable challenge in that. He helps us rethink men's fashion. And you know, stars are lining up like Jaden Smith and Lewis Hamilton. So come with me on this journey here on This Moment. Check it out. Kenneth Nicholson. Today, I'm super excited. I think it's the first time we have a world-class fashion designer on the show. Don't know what took us the time, but uh, I'm very, very excited to have the privilege to talk to the one and only, the amazing designer, Kenneth Nicholson. Welcome to this moment. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, Right now, you're in L.A., right? Yes, I'm in the studio here working on... um, Finishing, well, finishing up on um, some co- a costume project for the Long Beach Opera House and also just doing some preliminary work, like staying ahead of the schedule. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to I dive in right away because cooking, and you look at it through the black lens, right? Opening, the, the idea between cooking at your mom's house and then opening a restaurant is difficult and opening a restaurant is very, very expensive. Um, I kind of feel like fashion and design must also be very, very expensive. How does one start a brand and, and, and go through that journey? 
I was thinking about all of those things that you eventually have to come um, across, like budgeting and, um, you know, the paperwork and all of that stuff. It was really just following what was in my heart to do. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like my journey has been one that suits me and my own personal tempo, Mm -hmm. um, the way that I think, the way that I am inspired, the way that I respond to things and situations in life. For me, um, it just felt like a, like, like a gradual sort of, of growth instead of just being like, you know, to use a cooking term, thrown into like a hot pot of grease, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like a gradual sort of stewing, you know, the slow cooking movement, I guess. But um, it was, um, yeah, so now I feel like I'm just approaching things, you know, as they come, because I've been tempered. You know, I started designing and I was interested in things like since I was a kid, like visuals and, you know, looking back now, I was like really sensitive as a child, like noticing like the beauty and flowers or, you know, when I would go to church services with my my parents and just smelling the different perfumes and colognes and like seeing the different women in their colors and hats and, um, you know, Sunday dinners after church, just seeing like the way that everything was such a was such a presentation, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I just think the way that that I approach life really is the way that I approach design. It's a very calm um process for me and it's very natural Mm -hmm. i don't really feel the design process does not overwhelm me it feels like a natural language for me did you make clothes for your family when you were going to big events at school did you because i started when i started cooking my teens right like my friends that came to my house before and i started to cook stuff it wasn't good, but I was doing it to show off, right? So in, when you sit on that skill of you can actually make things uh, and create things, how did that in your friends group or in your family group, um, how did that sort of, how was that experienced in Houston circa 2002 and 2003 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was great. Like I did, I totally made stuff for my friends and, and for my family. Like, you know, I'm, I have, I have three older sisters and then I'm the young and only boy. Um, And so, yeah, I would always dress up, you know, my sisters and my clothes and they were like my first models. And I would just like be, you know, um, I don't know. It's like, there's, I I don't know the character's name, but it's like a character in Charlie Brown where he's always at the the, uh, piano. That was basically me always at my sewing machine. And I would just be like, do, 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 wear this, do, 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 put this on. And then I would like, make them pose in the hallway and yeah. take the disposable cameras and just like click, 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 you know, um, I, sh- yeah, I should try to find those photos, but like, um, but yeah, I, I just, it just came out so naturally. Um, but then also the type of clothing that I wanted to create was, I didn't want to recreate mm-hmm. things. It was always, I wanted to not only be a designer, but I wanted to influence design and influence culture, you know, because again, I was having this internal creative dialogue with myself. So it wasn't just about, um, it wasn't just about like making a dress or making Mm -hmm. a shirt. It was, you know, what, what kind of designer do you want to be? And for me, I wanted to be like a designer that had a wide vernacular of design language. And I think a designer that that really showed a good example of that was Alexander McQueen. I mean, like he had like such a wide vernacular. He could do things that were really over the top. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. you compare it to like a different collection of his and it would be relatively minimal. Um, But yet it was always quintessentially him. And I find like an enjoyable challenge in that. And so like um, 
when I'm designing, I definitely strive to have like, you know, just a, a wide breadth of design language. Yes. Yeah. I have notebooks from my earliest work of many ideas and things I wrote down and I, you know, it still holds up to me. I can see that that's a young Marcus with these ideas. There's an idea of sweet, salt, sour that I will always go into. I will always bring in something of Africa in there, right? There will always be a commitment to like finding umame. You know, textures should be strong. Aesthetics should be strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, finding, chasing flavors. If you you have, if you go back in your notebooks and look in the lookbook, would would the Kenneth Nick, uh, Nicholson's design from the back in the day? Would you look at it and be like, "Oh, I can't believe I did that," or would it be like, "Oh, I can't believe I did that"? Like those, <laughs> which one is it? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, honestly, as I don't know, there's like a rumor that artists tend to be their their toughest critic, and I think there's some truth to that. I think it's probably actually kind of healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the elements that I would see for sure was like an element of romance, you know, like I really do enjoy, you know, romance. I, um, I remember designing, you know, when I was a teen and, and just being intrigued by the idea of lace, mm-hmm. you know, and just like the idea how something, you know, could cover, but it could also be transparent and how, you know, um, there was a certain fragility to it. You know, and if you des- apply like the right design to it, you could really evoke a mood. Um, you know, all those little nuances really do inspire me because it's a it's a challenge because you're trying to extract like the core, you know, I don't know, the core like flavor palette, if you will. So, you know, both of our traits are rooted in craftsmanship right, and experiences, and you're sharing what's you, what you go through. Um, where did you learn the craft? I mean, we can all have kind of like be excited about something, but whether that's going to be your hobby, whether that's going to be your professional path, that, though, you know, that's a big difference. So where did you feel like you came up? Did you come up in New York? Did you come up in Houston? Did you come up in L.A.? Okay, so I feel like the, the come up in like, you know, I guess like the modern vernacular probably happened when I was planted in L.A. by maybe like circa 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the lit phase happened probably like in New York um, 2017 when I was able to show my very first collection for New York wow. Fashion Week. But I feel like the most important like come up was probably like like I said, it was more like an organic, even spiritual process. And I think that happened when I was a child in Houston, because I think, um, you know, just having different life experiences, like I uh, just learned to go within myself and to really kind of seek out, like, I don't know, it's like a mental calling. It's like an internal dialogue that you have, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, for me, at least, like as an artist. Well, I love that because Houston... I feel like Houston is a very, from the outside looking in, right, it's a very misunderstood place. First of all, it's Texas, and it's the most diverse city in the country, actually, which people don't think about Texas as a super diverse place, and Houston is super diverse. Uh, So there's sounds, there's foods, there are inspirations, there's West African community, the Indian community, all these layered stuff that you might not associate with uh, Houston, and I love that. That's so interesting. 
no? Yeah. Um, and again, I don't think it was necessarily like an orthodox path. I think, no. um, you know, growing up and being interested in things that were outside of the norm, seemingly, mm-hmm. um, I didn't always feel connected to community. You know, it was very, it was very much one of those things where I had to go out and seek um, pockets of like, you know, um, other artists, other, you know, just venues that uh, were really more aware and, and wanting to support, you know, at that time. Um, and so I think that's why um, even now I kind of, I still have, I feel like I have such a rich interior. It's because like, I didn't always have the outward access, you know, growing up in a place like Houston, which still has a lot of very like staid, um, you know, problematic traditions. And so, um, yeah, but I think for sure, it's definitely like helped me forge um, what I like to call like a quiet strength, you know, like sometimes I find myself like I can be really shy sometimes. Unless if I'm in the company of some like someone that I feel like is a kindred spirit or like an artist and we can really kind of talk about, you know, our crafts. I feel like that is um, where I, I can be free, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you, because did you come up through, did you get your first gig through styling? Like, because style, there's a lot of incredible stylists through either through the, you know, the Hollywood kind of, you know, the award seasons in LA or, Mm -hmm you know, in New York through fashion, was that that and that platform gave you then the courage and idea, like, I'm going to have my own collection, just for our listeners to understand what, what is the path that you took and what was the kind of the mini breaks that happened for you to go like, okay, I'm here now, I've arrived, I belong. Yeah, so I think uh, for me, okay, so not really necessarily having immediate access. So I had to like do a lot of things that were kind of, you know, atypical going to the Navy so I could secure college funding. Um, after I, you know, finished that, I took up studying in, um, in Dallas, Texas. And then I studied for a little bit in San Francisco. I landed in LA around 2007 and I immediately started doing internships for LA based brands. So, um, so as it was, you know, I thought I would be able to, to show my devotion as an intern and then work my way up through the ranks because that's what I had heard. That's the path that I thought I would be assuming. But, you know, there's a certain like, you know, <laughs> like barrier that I wasn't really aware of. Right. Sure. So despite all of the tenacity of studying and going to the Navy just to, you know, be able to work in art, um, I experienced that sort of like stop gap or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I just had this realization, you know, I know what my spirit is telling me. I know what I feel led to do. But at the same time, I'm not really getting the type of support and the type of um, promotion that I feel will really take me and my craft to the next level. So it was at that point um, that I started doing my own designs. Mm -hmm. And so um, in 2015, 2016, I created my very first capsule collection, um, which was immediately picked up by the New York Times which was great because that was like a huge deal for me. Um, and it really did, again, you know, speak to this sort of like the importance of like having a connection spiritually and inwardly. Yeah. Because for me, I took that as, as, as a loud statement saying you are on the right path. You are, I, you know, I did give you this talent, you know, for you to pursue. You are, you know, walking in your purpose. Um, and so after 
you know, we got really good reviews um, from the New York Times. And then shortly after we were invited um, to show in 2017, I believe, uh, our very first collection uh, for New York Fashion Week. Mm. Um, but there's been like a lot of support, you know, after that, like the CFDA has been amazing. Stephen Kolb has been amazing. I mean, I can I can name a whole like list of people that have that I feel have just organically crossed paths with me and really are just like, I mean, just the love that I feel and the and the generosity. Mm-hmm. It's just it's truly been amazing. But uh, so the key gems here is like, if you're gonna dress Lewis Hamilton, go to the Navy. That's the key. <laughs> That's the- basically. I mean, it's just like one of those things, you know. I feel like, you know, there's certain there's certain you know voices that I feel like creatives have to contend with it's like are you going to take the traditional path and whatever that looks like for you or are you going to follow that like intuitive sort of voice and I feel like that intuitive sort of voice has been with me and that's the one that I follow but yes if you are going to dress Lewis Hamilton for the Met Gala then you should probably know you know how to stand that parade rest and how to uh, you know, keep your military bearings <laughs> but I think it's also what you're telling right is obviously you represent black excellence to me so well right and you also um there's a craftsmanship, there's a path, and show also the black path when we're in different spaces. It's never linear. It's not just like you went to like the fashion school St. Martin in London, or that you came up through FIT in New York, right? You could have done all of those things, right? But our paths are always, they're nonlinear, right? They're, they're very much go through the hoops. And sometimes our strength in that, in that too. So the fact that you went to the Navy in order to come back to something that you were always drawn to her beauty. It's just such an interesting path, you know? Um, the other thing that we share is that our worlds, they're very complex because you kind of, the way we think about a menu for spring, we serve that that spring, but when you do your spring collection, that's for a couple of months later, right? Like it's a different, the way fashion is dropped. Can you explain that for me? Like Fashion Week in New York is super big, of course, in September and in February, but it's different seasons and stuff like that. Can you break that down for us? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, even for me, yeah, I st- believe it or not, I st- full transparency, I still get confused sometimes just <laughs> yes. because my mind is so focused on like the craft, you know, and how to do the perfect cut. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll show in September and then those, um, that collection won't be available until like, you know, several months later. Mm. Um, but I've always kind of thought that that was a peculiar thing for me because I feel like, you know, when you work in a field and you're committed to that thing, whether it's, you know, cooking or, or storytelling, um, or even fashion, I feel like you can be so in tune with society that you all you can almost become prophetic in a way where you sense the energy and you kind of know where it's going to land like yeah. three months, four months, six months out. And so, um, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because even like before I started showing in New York, I would create things, you know, maybe, you know, six, like six months previous and then you know, a few months later, it, it would st- I could start to see that same sort of idea show up in mm-hmm. public space. And so, um, again, that to me speaks to that intuition that, that I feel like is really vital to have, you know, as a creative. 
as you know, and we we all know, we just in a matter of six months, we lost two icons in fashion, but also two icons in the black fashion space. And those are incredible shoes to fill between Virgil and Andre Leon Talley. Like, when I think about fashion and someone who's always been in the intersection of New York of fashion is Andre. And then Virgil came up and just changed it and took it into a different direction. Um, because we don't have so many, those voids are so large in our industries, right? Uh, how do you think it will impact not only fashion and beauty, but also black fashion and black beauty? Because, you know, we all like to not think about it as a smaller space, but we do need people to open doors for us, right? So do you see other people stepping up and filling those shoes? So how do you think, um, how do you think we fill those two incredible um, icons? Living in a black body for like all of my life, you know, there's just certain things that I pick up on and I feel like, you know, resilience, mm. um, and just overcoming is so deeply rooted, not only within the black community, but I would even say it's like soul deep or bone deep. It's just something that we're born with. Um, Andre Leon Talley, I mean, he, I remember watching, you know, him growing up um, and Virgil Abloh just came out and, you know, touched the world with his talent. And I'm hoping that the ripple effect that they created, you know, will be carried on, I think within, black community, there's always like a history of like tradition, like tradition is very big. Like earlier, you know, in our conversation, I cited like the tradition of church, yep. right? There's just some things that are just so, and, and also with cooking, right? There's yep. some things that are just so deeply rooted um, that I feel uh, like it, it is, it does come from like a, like a, a natural organic, um, you know, in, interpersonal sort of um, tradition. Um, yeah. And also, you know, really quick, I think like another person that I like to cite is like Cornel West. I feel like he is like, like I, I <laughs> like I, he's like my, I don't know, like my, my something like he, I can just like listen to his lectures like all the time, but I know he himself cites tradition a lot too. And I think that there's just something to be said about, um, you know, passing the baton from one generation to the next, you know, I know Virgil was really big on living out loud. Mm -hmm um so yeah Beautiful. like what is the essence of what you're trying to say and so for me it's a love affair it's yeah. a love affair ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissue shoes your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Minecraft is changing like this. Before you had to open a restaurant, today you don't have to open a restaurant. You can set up shop, you can build a pop-up store on Instagram, you can build a following through social media and then do a catering company that way. In today's world, when you build a brand, right, and you went bold, you went with your name, so you can't, there's nothing to hide. This is your design, right? And so, does that has to be experienced through store, being at Barney's and, and Bloomingdale, the, the four Bs in New York that, that are not four Bs anymore, right? There might be three Bs or whatever it is. But just for someone that is aspiring to this, what are the steps that are relevant today? Because I could tell you, if you want to be a chef today, you don't have to go and raise millions of dollars to open that big flagship in New York City. You can still have a relevant voice and you go in a different way. So talk to me about your craft and world. How does, how does that apply to fashion? Well, I think like everything else in today's world, everything's changing, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know if there is a singular model. I think, and if there is one, I think for me at least, I would suggest that it's, it's one of just being connected to yourself. Like if you, if you want to be, you know, a designer, right. Or have a career. Um, I think it does start with like, you know, this like intuitive internal conversation. And I think that's the really only consistent thing. Yes. I mean, as we all know, like we've just learned that there is no consistency, mm. you know, and um, you know, in terms of like systems and world structure, I mean, 
next week could look totally different than this week, you know, and physical cash can become cryptocurrency. I mean, like things change. And again, I feel like that's why it's a big part of my process. That's why I have such a, a, I am so invested in my, in my spirituality and then my internal conversation, because that, that keeps me you know focusing and it keeps me steady um so in, in terms of like the business model it's 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 almost as if you know when when people see someone on the rise and they say oh they you know by the time that person has made it the path to that that they took to get there is like irrelevant you know and so because things are changing so rapidly like i was just having a conversation and it's um you know aretha franklin i had you know seen the movie and was watching some of the stuff on it and it's like you know, I don't know if someone can have a career like Aretha Franklin or like a Michael Jackson because they weren't streaming at those times, you know, and the political tone of the world was totally different. You know, people stream music or they can, you know, listen to it on um, uh, YouTube, even if they want to see the video. There's, a, you know, so it's like there really is no mono. I think the only the only successful thing is to be genuine to who you are in the moment and the time. Even when I think about art, like, you know, Basquiat, like his art was reflective of the time. Like you can sense like that energy when you look at his piece, you know, and that energy would be a very different energy than today. Hmm. You know, like if Basquiat was alive today, I'm not sure like we would have like the same type of messaging and painting, you know, and visuals. So um, to be an artist really, I feel like is to be a prophet in a way. Um, It is to be a sociologist because you're actually taking, you know, um, energy and the zeitgeist and putting it into your work. Um, To be an artist, I think is is a is to be an oracle you know it's to be a, a thermometer for where the times is. It's I mean, it's one of the greatest like it comes with challenges because people often don't understand artists, but I think the payoff is such a, no, no, I feel, I feel blessed and honored and privileged to be in the position that I'm in. It's, it's amazing, Kenneth. You brought, you dropped so many good things in there. I kind of want to pull them out because I completely, completely agree on um, the inner conversation, right? Like for me, I'm going to be a chef until the end. And it's not related to necessarily the four walls. It could be or not, but I'm still going to wake up every morning and think about sweet, sour, bitter. Uh, And how can I craft it better than I did yesterday? It's just like that inner conversation hasn't changed since I was 16 or 15, right? Like, and and I wake up every day with a desire and goal to try to improve that. And even if I'm on a plane like today, I took a red eye over to New York and I was tired. But, you know, when we were one hour delayed, what did I do? I put up my notebook and started to write food, (laughs) right? It's like, it's borderline. If you're not in the space, it's borderline crazy. But it's Mm -hmm. also this beautiful thing that you can never be bored because you always have that inner conversation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And There's always something to do. I mean, there's always something to learn. Um, It's like like playing jazz, you know? You have to, you have to listen to where we are as a society and where the energy is. And then you have to be able to respond, you know, like a jazz musician. Yes, I do. I mean, it was interesting where you talk about Basquiat, Aretha and Michael. I think those voices would have still become icons because their talent was just so incredible, 
right? So mm-hmm. we would have fi- figured out a way to find found them, right? But you're right, yeah. the, the impact, obviously, in different times, it's impossible. When you put times on it, how would it work? Would it be bigger? Would it be smaller? Who knows? Uh, I just saw MJ's uh, Michael's show on Broadway, and it was incredible. And I was just thinking about, you know, the cast was obviously young because it's a very physical show. It's like two and a half hours of choreography. And um, it was incredible. It was like, I was like, I was blown away. Uh, And the steps were even more modern, you know what I mean, in a way. But it was just incredible. So uh, it does have impact. And the show like that, it's going to impact you know, people that maybe didn't even grow up, you know, a lot of people were younger that went to the show uh, and didn't grow up with Off the Wall and didn't grow up even with Thriller or something like that, but still were so excited about it. And to see it in a new version led by most people in their 20s, it was unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? It was just incredible. So I love that. Yeah. And just to be clear, like, um, I'm sure in any era, Basquiat would have been... Yeah. Brilliant. I, was, I guess I was just saying, like, maybe that visuals might have looked different or the energy might have been different. Sure. But it would I'm sure it would have still been impactful. No, I mean Sean Michel, like he for me bridged kind of what street conversation that was the early days of hip hop. You know what I mean? Uh it's kind of like when punk and hip hop came to New York at the same time. And, you know, that was the language and it was bringing the street into the galleries and he was kind of the bridge. Him and Fab Five Freddy was the bridges of doing that and bringing that in and that early it's like a video run dmc video will look different than a kanye video they're both of hip-hop and they both love hip-hop but like just different eras you know um so i i want to ask you also about we talk about the met gala and um it's an incredible piece it takes a lot of work to produce it from so all the stakeholders from vogue from the met itself from all the designers. Um, you got invited this year, and I think I want to give a huge shout-out to the one and only Lewis Hamilton because he really did an incredible job and always talk about black craftsmanship. And he picked up a table for eight of the most incredible young black designers in this country. Maybe Was it, was it eight? How many, how many was it? Um, I believe you're right. I think it might have been... Maybe 10. ten. I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot. It yeah, was it was a lot. <laughs> but just that, that that idea, right? To I he has clearly arrived as probably the biggest or top five biggest athlete in the world. And then to say, hey, here are some other people that are incredible that deserves to get worldwide recognition. So he acknowledges he knows what he that would bring. And then he clearly work closely with you. It wasn't just being dressed. It's also spending time, appreciating. How did you, how did you get to know Lewis Hamilton and how did this relationship really, how was that created? And, and, and talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, well, I'm trying to think who made the intro. Um, I, I believe it. I believe, well, law, LaRoche, uh, the stylist, he definitely reached out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I believe that uh, the CFDA also helped with the intro. Mm-hmm. Um, how I found Lewis, I found him to just be really generous, mm-hmm. um, grounded, calm, um, yeah, probably uh, almost meek. Um, he was just really 
I mean, I like when you have these um, sort of like ideas of like what these figures are, these larger than life figures, you know, you tend to kind of place like a demeanor, but he was just, you know, so humble and down to earth. Um, and I felt very comfortable around him. Not only that, but like what he did was like truly amazing. I mean, here in today's world, like it's so easy to like post, you know, support or to post a, a hashtag, you mm -hmm. know, he actually, you know, followed through and it was a long, like it's a long project and a big undertaking, yeah. you know, and he was always available. Mm -hmm. uh, his team was always available. It was just, it was just a really, really great experience. Um, I do remember kind of, you know, having um, sort of an exchange and just thanking, you know, thanking him and just, um, kind of having a conversation about just wanting to continue this tradition. I mean, like, that's what my takeaway was, you know, so early in our conversation, how we were saying, like, you know, tradition is such a big um, um, thing in the Black community. I feel like what he did mm -hmm. will for sure have ripple effects moving forward. Um, I know, I, I mean, that's one of my goals. I would love to do what, what he was able to do for me. You will. To somebody else one day. You will. No doubt. Put it out there. Put it out there. Thank how you, did you yeah. nail? How did you nail what he was wearing? Like, what was what was that like? How do we? Because I'm sure you had there was choices. There was multiples. But like, yeah. how did you actually decide on the piece? Of course, I think so. We um, early on, I was working with his stylist Laroche, right? So um, early on the project, we him and I kind of threw out some ideas, some colors, some silhouettes, um, and then I went. I came in my studio and turn the music all the way up and then yeah. just started sketching. Um, and then in the end, he had about five looks, five different options um, that I designed for him. Um, and we tried them on. We we all met at the hotel the morning yeah. of, and it was just so exciting. I mean, the whole experience was just so generous. But, yes. um, we met at the hotel. He tried on all of them. And we were just having conversations um, there, him, myself, his team. Uh, and we were... Um, just seeing like what would be the best fit and what he felt comfortable, you know, with. He had just, you know, I think he had just got off of like a really, yeah. really long flight, um, but he was still so available and so energetic. Um, he tried on everything. He spent time and everything to really kind of go through, you know, what his energy was at that moment and what it might be like um, later on that evening. Um, and he landed on, yeah, it was a black woolen suit with um with an italian lace uh shirt um and an exaggerated side detail mm -hmm. yeah. and i feel like that piece really kind of speaks to that romantic element you know i'm always trying to blend in like that traditional fine craftsmanship of tailoring but then also give men more options um yeah. with what they want to wear you know i think sometimes it can feel so staid in men's wear uh, category yeah no you do a great um, job you i mean your clothing is so beautiful it's romantic it's stunning and allows us as men don't to feel like we have like these like penguin looks if we go to a black tie or this it's like so set what men are supposed to wear like and as a black man as an african i don't want to follow any of that i want to feel good and enjoy you know what i mean absolutely i mean i cite like one of the characters and i've said this before is i always think about um this character david um who is known for fighting goliath right and yeah. so 
he's described as like being a warrior that he can kill wild animals, you know, on one day. Um, but and then he goes to the battlefield and like, you know, he slays this big giant. But then at night he writes poetry and he plays the harp. And for me, like that kind of sums up, you know, this sort of like mat this this for me at least this idea of masculinity you know it's not just about being um you know this sort of like toxic masculinity and always hard and this but it's about embracing all of you mm -hmm. you know um in nature i feel like you know the same you know god that created the mountains is the same god that created the the flower wow. you know or the feather and so um I think my my work is about just trying to find sensitivity. Um, I don't know. It's trying to find the nuance in things. I want to fast forward. What is the next for me and the food world, the pandemic, you know, with restaurant, which is really about people and communities and people coming into them and they couldn't come into the restaurants. So we had to figure out different ways to work in the design in the fashion space. How did you go more into the studio? How were you impacted by the pandemic on a professional level and also on a social level? How did it work for you? Um, gosh, I think there were different phases. Like early on, it was it was a jolt, like to you know, like everybody else. And um, <laughs> I think it's really made me uh, focus and be more intentional. Yeah, you know, I learn a lot, like just from life experiences. Like sometimes I'll be walking and I'll just hear like not audibly, but like, you know, it'll be like a little whisper of a thought will come to me. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that is, that is a very good idea. Um, I don't know, just being intentional about what, what I create yes, and what, um, what I invest the work, what, what the time that I invest in the work, it should be something that, that I want to exist in the world, you know. Who are the people now that you feel like besides yourself that, our young black designers are coming up that we should look out for and support. There's a lot. Um, geez. Um, I think, um, the, uh, Edwin of Theophilio is amazing. Yeah. I think look, like you mentioned, Laquan Smith is amazing. I actually remember, um, seeing his work like before 2016, like, mm -hmm. like a long time ago. So I know like he has commitment and he's been, you know, at it a long time. Um, I think who else? I think Telfar is doing like a great job. Um, Jamil Muhammad from Kyrie, like he's he's amazing. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's a lot of us, you know, and we just want the same you know opportunities as everybody else. You know, I mean, we don't want to be like treated like you know. We just want access. You know, if we're doing the work and if we're doing good work, then um, it should be reflected. Beautiful. Yeah. Well. We appreciate you and thank you for sharing uh, your journey and story. Because there is a young designer or creative in the This Moment orbit that maybe hasn't started yet because he or she didn't know how to get to that next hub or that next place. And by listening to this, hopefully we inspired them to bet on themselves and uh, start the journey of their own collection. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tell us about subject or people that we should be talking to right now. Hit us up on Instagram at thismomentpodcast and thismomentpodcast at gmail.com. As always, peace.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 